Okay, let's go to Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. I know we watched the film last week, and we've gone through three congregations. I think we have spent, I don't know how many months since we've come out of Sukkot, going through three congregations. So we're taking our time. We're just going to let the Father, because I do honestly believe this, um, that all of these seven congregations, as we've said, they represent us today. Some form, we're there. Uh, you can see the map up here. There's, um, we're going to be in Thyatira today. Uh, and look at the, you know, we went through Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum. And you can see all of these are in a location. There's others that are there. Colossus is about 15 miles from Laodicea. And so there's a lot of other ones. Antioch, you have a lot of these other, uh, Philippi, you have a lot of these other congregations that we see where Paul had been writing. I, I'm seeing more and more and more just with me and what the Father is doing with me. I now understand so much more now why, why Paul has so many letters in the Brit Hadashah. It's because of trying to let all our Jewish brothers, let all of Israel, let all of those who were remaining faithful to the Torah, how we fit in the mold, how we fit in together, and how we can function as a body. Now, I want to draw your attention. You know, Halisa, you know, she's here. And she has, you know, the creation gospels. And, and that has been, I'll just say this for us, has been very instrumental with this, with these teachings and this lampstand and how all of these tie in. The number seven, the seven days of creation, but also now we're in these seven congregations. Because like I was going to tell you, up here they're listed, but when you see Galatia, you had Antioch, Lister, Derby, Colossae. You have all of these, Philippi, you have all these other ones. But yet Yahweh only mentioned seven. Yeshua only mentioned seven because there's something about seven because really the seven is really representing everything else. But on this one, if you look up here at this menorah here, we're on the fourth congregation. And I want to give you a visual picture here. The fourth congregation, and in the spirit of the seven spirits of the Holy Spirit, which you have wisdom, understanding, counsel. This is the spirit of what? Adonai. This is the spirit of Adonai. The spirit of Adonai does what? It feeds the rest. So now I want us to look at this congregation of Thyatira, how all the rest of these are tied into this one. And this, this one here does not have the spectacular libraries. It doesn't have... 180 to 200,000 people living in the city like Pergamon and uh, Ephesus and how Smyrna uh, was fighting for their place on the map to being the greatest. Thyatira is really blue-collar blue, uh, workers. That's who's really in this area. You don't have the elite sitting here. You don't have all of the politicians sitting here. But it, yet it's very interesting because if this one is the spirit, if this one represents the spirit of Adonai, guess who's sitting in the middle of Thyatira is a woman called who? Jezebel. There's a spirit that is feeding the rest of these congregations. Either it's going to be the Holy Spirit feeding these congregations or that Jezebel spirit 
that is feeding these congregations. It's that spirit. I just want to give you a visual before we get into that. Okay, there's also, in Thyatira, there were two manufacturing, um, which is happens to be brass, bronze, and metals. The other happens to be dye and linen and clothing, and mainly scarlet or red and purple. No, uh, yeah, I do need to whiteboard. I'm sorry. Got sidetracked. Yeah, go ahead. Y'all wave at me back there. Do a dance. Do a turkazia. I'm 218. Yeah, 218. Yeah, I should have put that up there. So I'm sort of glad I didn't have it up there to start with because it would have blocked my menorah. That's right. Here you go. Y'all move it back here so I know what I wrote up there. There you go. I got to watch these people. They'll come up here and write something else on there that I don't know what's up there. Molisa had to help me with my spelling earlier. So what I've titled this one is really Yahweh worship versus Baal worship or Baal worship. Because Jezebel's sitting in there. All right, look at verse 1. Verse 1 says this. And to the angel of the congregation. Stop. He's not talking to heathens here. He's talking to you. He's talking to believers here. And if he's talking to believers, remember what we said into the first three? There's things that he commended them for, and there's things that he rebuked them for. Except for there's two congregations that he didn't give a negative to, or didn't give a rebuke to. But what did we say? These two were the most persecuted of all the congregations. And if you notice in history, usually when you're majorly persecuted, you don't really have a sin problem. You have a begging problem. Get me out of this. You, you try to live righteous. You, you're into seeking first his kingdom when you're under heavy persecution. It's usually when, like Sardis, which we haven't got there yet, who had a reputation of being alive, but they were dead. See, usually when things look great and things are going great, we really need to make sure that we focused to make sure that we're staying alive and not dead, that we're not pulled away. Remember what we talked about last week and the week before, the fruit of the Spirit. This is why the fruit of the Spirit is so important because you will know them by their fruits. You don't judge people by the signs. Because there were people, it says signs are going to follow those that believe, remember? And that's what was happening with Paul. But it also has a group of people that says, Lord, Lord, we did all of these things in your name. We laid hands on the sick, they recovered, we raised the dead, we cast out demons in your name. And he said, depart from me, you workers of toilessness, lawlessness, I never had a relationship with you. Both groups were producing signs. One had a relationship, one didn't. So how do you judge that? You judge it by the fruit. Are the fruits of the Spirit evident in these lives of these congregations? Because you can see this, because even a lot, of the, a lot of the good things he says about them, you will see the fruit of the Spirit. He'll name one or two. Okay, so he's talking to the congregations of Thyatira. Now he says this, The words of the Son of Elohim... Stop. This is the only time out of the seven congregations 
he says, the son of Elohim. The son of Elohim, think about this. He's making a statement. He's making he's staking a claim on these seven churches, especially this one. He's staking the son, he's identifying himself who he is. It's not just the revelation of Yeshua, he's staking a claim of who he is. Because you know why he's staking that claim at the very beginning? Because there's a war going on. There's a fight for you. There's a fight for me. There's a fight, and it started in the garden. Whenever Hasatan went in the garden, and, and the, our sin ended up being like it is today. There's always the fight until the sin. So he's saying something. This is the only time that this one is mentioned. Now, before I go to the rest, remember what we just said about Thyatira. They were a city that was bronze, brass. They had foundries. And in a foundry, when you're talking about changing raw materials of metal to get it to go into something, what do you have to put to that to cause it to heat? Fire. You have to put fire to it to liquefy it, to make it do something. Okay? These people understood this language. This is why the history is so important for these congregations because if you don't know the history, you don't know what he's talking about because look what he says. The words of the son of Elohim who has eyes like a flame of fire. See, if you just read this, you just think, here's fire and feet. He's just on fire. He's hot and he's... But he's speaking something because these people understand this language because of the foundries that were there. Flames of fire whose feet are like burnished what? Bronze. See, they, he's speaking their language. They understand because we're talking paganism to the max. We're talking statues all different sizes. We're talking all of this stuff. But he's telling them that his eyes is like the flames of fire whose feet are like burnished bronze. In other words, he's saying, I am the I am. He's letting them know, I am. There is no other Elohim but me. He addressed them as the son of Elohim. There is none. He's making a statement right off the bat to these people because they have a huge problem. And their problem is, is they've been seduced by the teachings of Jezebel. And they've got it into Baal worship. To Baal worship. Okay, so this is a statement that he's making right off the bat. He says, I know your works, your love, your faith, your service, patient endurance. And that your latter works exceed the first. So we do see here love, the fruit of the Spirit. You see faith, you cannot please him without faith. We talk about service here all the time. Yeshua said, I didn't come to be served, but to do what? To serve. That's our job. We're no better than him. So we're to be served. We're to be stewards also. Patient endurance. That's the hard part. Patience is hard, and so is endurance hard. Because endurance takes a lot. Of, you know, she brought in this football metaphor and this sports metaphor. The thing about it is, is everybody likes to play the game, but nobody likes to practice. Nobody likes to put in the work. There's a lot of hard work. 
I just remember because I played football. I played baseball. I played anything that was a ball. I wasn't a hutter, but I, I played ball. But anyway, but I will tell you, our coaches, because we're, I mean, look, I mean, I played a little bit past the leather helmet, so I wasn't that far back, okay? We did have face masks. But our coaches would run us and run us and run us. And, and we would say, we can't. If, you, if a coach ever heard you say, we can't, that's 40 more sprints. That word never came out of your mouth. And if it came out of anybody's mouth, they would be beaten. I'm telling you because they would run us because there is none of this you can't because you can. You're not going to die. You may think you're going to die, but you're not going to die. I can, when I see this, patient endure it, I remember back to those days because a lot of us, we had to go both ways. We played offense and defense, and it's sort of hot down here in the south. And if you think that during the fall of the year, if it, if it didn't get, you know, 40 degrees or 50 degrees, and if it was 75 or 80 degrees and you started a ball game, and you, you fourth quarter, you, you, everybody, and, and they knew that. We were a small team. I remember when we played Pascagoula the first time. We had 32 ball players. They had 105. They lined up from the goal line and went every 10 or so yards, and they landed, they landed on our 20-yard line, and we're in the little circle doing this. Did it intimidate? It was supposed to because we're a little school in Loosedale playing a big, bigger city, and it was all about intimidation because you can't play 105 ball players. You only play 11 on one and 11 on the other, and you're going to get a – but huh? No, we didn't win. But they were number one in the state that year, so we did a good job, though. We hung with them. But you know what? It worked. Intimidation. We were intimidated to start with because we were out of our league. But then, you know what? Once we got to battling, we realized they put on their britches and their togs just like we did. And we hit them, and we hit them hard. And the thing about it is, and that was one of the things that they commended us for was, is we were just totally surprised because we were in a fight for our life because we just thought this little podunk school going to show up over here, you know, with all of their Hickville stuff, you know. And, and, and I mean, look, look, our uniforms were ugly. That didn't help. I mean, they had nice, flashy uniforms. Our uniforms was ugly. They just were ugly. Don't start. They was ugly. Yeah, they were, Kathy. They were ugly. Look, when you was in school, they were maroon and gray and white. When I was in there, they put this gold-looking color in there, but it wasn't gold. We had another word for it, but it wasn't gold. They never matched that color. But I'm just saying, so what happens is, is fear, intimidation, all of these things matter when you're, when you're, but practice, 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 practice. And do you know why you're here? Yahweh is smarter, Brad's got to love him. Yahweh's smarter than we are. There's a reason why we're here on Shabbat. There's a reason why you're just not three times a year trying to meet together. Because we will all turn back into heathens. Every week, because it it takes us every week, you know, refreshing. Well, Shabbat is just like a mini Sukkot. It is a mini Sukkot. I mean, we're rehearsing, learning, learning. It is. Growing together, working together, 
while we're doing what we're doing, we don't do this because we come up with an idea. We took the patterns out of the Scripture. Apostles' doctrines, prayers, breaking bread, and fellowship. This is what we do. We have to learn to know who you're laboring among. And it's a struggle sometimes. It's a challenge sometimes. You know, because if you hadn't noticed, we're not all alike. You know, some played in the band. Some were cheerleaders. You know, some were hutters. You know, just... And some just 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 the way it was. But you know what? They all had a portion. They all had something to do, whether they were cheering somebody on while they were playing, while people were playing ball or whatever. But do you know what the Father wants us to do? Is in all of this analogy, He doesn't want us on the sidelines. He doesn't want us in the bleachers watching what's going on. He wants to get us involved. Amen. And we have to be involved in this walk because it's you. It's us, not only here, but all over the place. And, and like Paul, Paul went into the, the darkest places. You know, we talked about this in Ephesus. You had the temple of Artemis there because it was not only a temple of worship, but it was their banking system. So where does Paul go? He goes right into the heart of the issue because now it's on. Because I don't need to go to everybody. Everybody's coming to me. Even though he traveled and he went a lot of places and he set up congregations everywhere. But he went into huge places where people were flocking to them. This congregation, and this is what I want us to look. We're going to see this with Jezebel in just a moment. Well, let's just read it. Verse 20 says, but I have this against you. Now he's talking to the congregation there. Okay, I got it. I'm, I'm going slow. I'm just reiterating the point. You got to know he's talking to us. If you don't think the church is in trouble as a whole today, we're deceived. We're deceived. There is more Baal worship in the body of Messiah today than I've ever seen it then in reading the history of what's going on. Now, I know during the dark ages, it, yeah, but I'm talking about like right now. Do you know that he's pouring out his spirit? I mean, we've had different moves because I'm old enough to know these different moves. We've had different moves of the Holy Spirit in, in, since the 1900s, 1900, 1901. You know what I'm saying? Right on through that, man, we, we should be a powerful, strong body of believers. And I think we're sicker now because it's going to talk about a sick bed. But you know what? He loves us so much because there's, I don't know how many Jewish people in here that was raised in Torah from the very beginning of childhood. I was raised redneck Baptist. I didn't even know there was a Torah. Didn't even understand that there was a Torah. I didn't even understand. Look, I didn't even know there were 12 tribes of Israel. I just knew there were 12 disciples. And one of them messed up. You know what I mean? They had to replace him. That's all I knew. But the Father, to do what He's doing today, He's pouring out His Spirit among us today because He's getting ready for His return. And He's trying to bring His people because He loves us that much. And everything's on His timetable. It's just the way it is. But instead of being a powerful force in this land today, you're seeing people being seduced by Baal worship that has flooded the congregations is what you see. Whenever congregations were to... Anybody know what sexual immorality is? 
Nod your head. But do you know sexual immorality is idolatry? We're going to read some scriptures that I won't get it to it today because of time. But I just want to just put this great foundation, I hope, down here for us to get our minds thinking. Look, and I want to say this, and I'm not too proudful to say this. I hope and pray that we haven't been seduced or we don't have elements of Baal worship in here. But I'm not saying that we don't. But I'm asking the Father to reveal it. If we do, we're going to repent. We're going to get out of it. Amen? Amen? I'm just saying, I, I, I want, you know, because this is, I didn't want to be a pastor. Y'all know that story. But the biggest thing that I don't want to do is to stand before our Creator because I'm standing up here and turn around and say, you messed up. You told, you should have known this, but you did this. You should have known this, but you taught this. I don't want that to happen. And this is what, because everybody, well, it is. It is. It is. It is a huge responsibility because you have people's lives in your hands. See, most of the people in here, Halisa can tell you, she goes all over the place teaching. That's why a lot of people in Hebrew roots are mad. It's because they came out, they were deceived so many years in denominationals, you know, whether bad, whatever it was, and then they come out of it, and they're mad, and, and it's like, then they look at me or they look at some of us and say, well, I was deceived there. How am I going to believe you? Because they feel like they can't, they can't really trust anything. But you have to trust someone. So here's the litmus test. Fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit, His Word. When somebody tells you the Word's been done away with or portions of the Word's been done away with or a book's been done away with, flee that conversation. I will tell you, we will all sit here and tell you we don't understand everything about every Scripture. It, we should. But we wasn't raised in that... Well, we just wasn't raised being... I just wasn't raised Jewish. I wasn't raised with a good Torah family. Or Hebrew. Let me put it that way. I don't want to freak somebody out by saying Jewish. But you know what I mean. I'm just saying I wasn't raised that way. We were raised in the Torah. I didn't understand that. I mean, from our raising... And this is why I'm saying this. And this is why I'm slowing down with this. Because you've got to understand... The Father has blessed us. He has really blessed us. He's blessed us that He's entrusted us with His Word. But by that becomes a spirit of great humility on our part because it could have been us that didn't see it, that could have stood up and fought against Him thinking we're fighting for Him. We, had a, we have a great example, Paul himself who was standing up fighting for Yahweh, not knowing he was fighting against him. Do you see what I'm saying? The easiest person to deceive is ourselves. So we need to be zealous for righteousness and not zealous that we're right. You hear what I'm saying? Zealous for righteousness, not zealous that we're right. But to know that if we're zealous for righteousness in His kingdom, the fruit of the Spirit... Because you, if you have that zeal, 
you're going to show love, joy, and peace. You're going to show endurance, long-suffering, faithfulness, gentleness, kindness. You see what I'm saying? Self-control. And that's why I'm saying in this, this is how you recognize what's going on today. Where am I at? All right, now, okay, now, okay, in verse 20, and I'm going to, don't y'all go. I know I'm going to start closing, but don't go nowhere because you've got to get this part right here. In verse 20, it says, but I have this against you that you tolerate. What does your scripture say? You tolerate what? That woman. All right, do you know two oldest manuscripts says you tolerate that wife? Or the Hebrew version says you tolerate your woman. I like that better. Think about what, when you say that woman, that's that woman. When he says your wife, your woman, that is personal. You have to take ownership of that. So I like the older translations. Because what he's saying that you tolerate your wife Jezebel. So now you can see why he says in verse 1, the words of the son of Elohim. Because you know what? If you've accepted me, I own you. You're no longer your own. You belong to me. You're the body. I'm the head. You're the body. In other words, we're married to who? Yeshua. We're not married to Jezebel, but he's saying this. You tolerate your wife Jezebel. So he's flat telling them, you think you're married to me, but you're not. You're tolerating. So he's, he's trying to, he's personalizing this to let them know that there's a war going on for your soul. There's a war going on for our souls. Guys, this is what we need to be more focused on rather than maybe what physically is going to happen down the road. We need to be more focused on that, that the Hasatan can't steal you or snatch you away by teaching and seducing Baal worship. What did he talk about the Nicolaitans? Remember the congregation for? He says, I have this against you. Because you follow after the Nicolaitans, Balaam. What was Balaam doing? Seducing. You take the women, Amalek, you can take all of these women. For what reason? Because you know what? You're going to start worshiping their Elohims. Idol worship. But this I have against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. This is a key thing. She calls herself a prophetess. Have you ever heard these things before? Me and I and I'm it and on a stick and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So she calls herself, she builds herself up. In the end of the book of Revelation, there's going to be a woman riding a what? Yeah, and she's going to call herself a what? Same spirit. Same spirit. Same spirit that happened. That same spirit seduced Ahab. And he ended up marrying her. And you know what? That spirit ruled over Israel. Because that's who he was the king over. Have you ever noticed, and that's why we were talking about, this really amazes me. And I don't know how it works. You know, Halisa can always, I use her as a mentor a lot, reading and studying. And she could help me with this. But I'm going to tell you this. this. This amazes me. And I've said this here before, how someone like Elijah can destroy, call down fire, mock, I mean just make fun of these prophets of Baal. 
and fire come down and kill them all in just the whole nine yards. And then all of a sudden, Jezebel sends him a text, and he runs off. You know, he, she sends him a letter, an email or whatever they had down, a camel mail, whatever they had, and he ran off. And do you notice that after that happened, his ministry ended? Elisha comes into the scene right after that. We're talking Elijah. So I'm just telling you, there was something. Remember we watched that film last week? One thing that um, Polycarp, remember at the end, Polycarp was older in age, probably in his 80s, 90s, whatever he was. Remember they, they were going to burn him and the flames didn't touch him, but then they had to stab him. But remember what he said when they said, oh, you got all the Caesar or the Roman emperor at that time said, all you got to do is offer a little incense, just a little incense, that's all. And you can have your life. And he says, I've been living for Yeshua all my life. And you think I'm going to get to this place now and deny him? I ain't no way that's going to happen. He's never failed me. But here's the key. The key is, and this is what I want to share with you, and I'm going to close with this. If you're not living for Yeshua today, you won't die for him tomorrow. Because whenever Pharaoh comes to you, or the Roman emperor comes to you, or whoever that powerful person who's standing in that office comes to you and says, all you've got to do is offer a little bit of this. Ain't nobody going to know but just us standing right here. If you're not living for him every day, you're going to make the wrong decision because you're going to save your hide because it's the nature of man to do that. And we have to know that we need to be living for him every day. And so as we go into this congregation, we also have to know that like we were showing on that, and Tiffany, don't erase this because we'll use this next week. Because we're going to see Jezebel, the unrighteous woman, we're going to see something about Lydia. It ties in of how these two ladies, because she was in Thyatira, and she was a, a person who would have linen of royal purple or deep purple and also red. But I'll just go ahead and tell you a little bit here. There's a woman in, in uh, Revelation 17. She's adorned with the same colors, scarlet and purple. There's a choice. You have two people that may dress alike, but they ain't alike. Amen? And that's what we want to do as we get into this congregation to make sure that we're discerning and we can tell the difference between the two. Amen.